0: What's up, friends? Welcome back to Well That's Good Wednesday. I hope everybody's having a great week. It's about to get so much better because, friends, we have David Platt on the podcast today with his new book that's about to come out, Don't Hold Back. Let me just read the subtitle because everybody needs to hear this. Leaving Behind the American Gospel to Follow Jesus Fully. This is going to be a great conversation. I cannot wait to dive in. Uh, David, thanks for being back on the podcast.
1: It is great to be back, Sadie. I like. I'm so thankful for God's grace in you and Christian, and uh, I just, yeah, love every time I'm around you guys. Uh, most recently, I guess at Passion, and I like this morning was looking back at notes from your talk on Peter and fishing with Jesus <laughs> awesome. and personal life being your spiritual life. So. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Hey, well, so same to, to you. I have to say, I can't wait to talk about passion. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. But your talk at passion inspired me so much. I can't wait to talk about it. But I have to ask you because today is the day after Valentine's Day, um, hence the pink flowers, the pink shirt. And so we have to at least give the people a little bit of content when it comes to Valentine's Day. You have an awesome marriage. How long have you guys been married?
1: We've been married for 20, going on 24 years.
0: 24 years. And how many kids do y'all have now?
1: We have six kids. So we, uh, I, I say six, so we have five in the home. We just adopted uh, our daughter, Mercy, over the last year. But then one of our kids, uh, we have a son overseas who we're still waiting to pick up. We were supposed to pick him up three days before, wow. well, this is like January 2020. Three days before uh, we were supposed to leave, COVID kind of shut that process down and we've been waiting for the last three years. So anyway, uh, he's our six-year-old we're waiting to get. And then we got uh, five others ranging from 16 down to one.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Okay. So obviously we can all look up to a marriage that's lasted 24 years and six kids and all that y'all have done together. So give us a little bit of marriage advice or just relationship advice. There's people listening to this who are single, dating, engaged, married, but if you had to just give us something you've learned over the years of love, what what would you give us? And I know I just sprung mm. that on you. I can see your eyes are like, I did not expect that, but hey, you live you live it. So...
1: Well, I'm like feeling this pressure. Like, okay, Heather's going to listen to this. Like, what? And she's gonna like, <laughs> what? Is, what is the one thing you said? I, I would say, I think we love people well when we learn how to love them well. And I, I mentioned that it's because um, over 24 years, there, ha, like, there are some things that have been consistent in how to love Heather, um, and there are some things that have changed. And I think I'm constantly. I constantly want to learn how can I best love her now it's in cool. this season and not just in the season, but like in the circumstances we're walking through right now, what does she need most? And I think that applies like generally. And just, uh, where I was in my Bible reading this morning, Mark 12, love your neighbor as yourself. But, mm. uh, like what do people need most in our love for them? But specifically in though, yeah, close relationships, mm. marriage, uh, dating, engaged, like learn, don't ever stop learning each other and learning it's how good. to love each other. Well,
0: I love that. Learn how to love. I think so many times you just assume that, you know, but man, when you take the time to intentionally listen and learn and seek those things, um, it's so true. Um, it makes the world of differences And there. You know how we all mm. do like the love language tests and it's so interesting how, Whenever me and Christian were dating, like what I would say my love language was, is actually like mm. not the same as it is now. That uh. we're you know married for three years and have a twenty month old and one on the way. It's mm. like it's changed, you know. Um, used to I'd probably say access service is like at the bottom of the list. I didn't really care that much about access uh. service, and now I'd be like that is number one. <laughs> like if you like, he just went and got my um, car fixed, and I was like. That means so much. It makes me feel so loved because I did not want to do that. And so Mm. it's true that to learn to love in the season that you're in really goes so much further than just doing the, you know, ordinary things that anybody can do. But when someone does something because they know your heart, it goes such a long way. Uh, So great advice. I know that came out of nowhere. You had it.
1: Well, I I would just add, like, uh, we we, uh, try to do periodic date nights, uh, regular date nights, but periodically... I do like intentionally even ask that question, like, babe, how can I love you better? Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's, well, I'm just so thankful for all the ways uh, she loves me well. And I just want to, yeah, I want to faithfully love her well. So yeah, that's so good. hope that's helpful.
0: No, that's so helpful. And I think too, now that I'm just thinking about this, it's also cool to let that person in on what you know, just giving clarity for what would help, you know, what, how you could love me better. Cause I think sometimes as women, especially you can be like, Oh, I wish that they would do this, or I wish they'd do that. And then you get disappointed when they don't. And I love that quote when it's like expectation without communication results in frustration. And I'm like, that is so true. And so I try not to ever like put these expectations on Christian that I'm not communicating with him because mm-hmm. it's not fair mm-hmm. to expect him to do something that he doesn't even know. So actually for Valentine's yes. day this year, you know, I love Valentine's day. I've always like loved Valentine's day, but I know like some people don't really care about Valentine's day. It's like low on the priority list of holidays. It's pretty high for me. I love it. So I was like, I got this email from this flower shop I love about like a Valentine's Day sale so I like sent it to Christian and I was just like hint hint like I'm basically telling you this is exactly what yes. you should get me for Valentine's Day. And it was just so funny because then a week goes by and um, I, I just said, you know, I just want to let you know because I knew he hadn't gotten it. I was like, I just want to let you know I did get you something for Valentine's Day. I was like, you don't <laughs> have to get me something, but I don't want you to be sad whenever I got you something, you didn't get me something. And he goes, oh, well, I was I was thinking I would get you something when we go to California. And I said, you totally just thought about that. He goes, yeah, I I totally just thought about that. And it's after Valentine's Day that we go to California. But it was just funny because it was a good thing that I said that because then there's like – no disappointment, like letting them in Mm-mm. on kind of how you do want to be loved instead of just making them guess. And so, mm-hmm. man, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. We just had that funny yeah. situation in our house. Um, but you mentioned passion. I'm, I'm
1: glad you're saving Christian too. Like that's I am. that's well done. Like I'm that, saving that, that, him. That's- Super helpful.
0: I'm like, hey, this is exactly the flowers I want. This yes. is not hard. Just buy no. them. I'll be so happy. Yes. Like you might think I would be less happy because I asked you. No, I'll be just as happy. That does <laughs> not changes nothing for me. But no, uh, I gotta talk about passion because, like you mentioned, it was just so good. And honestly, your message. Um, it impacted Christian and I so much. We've talked about it so much and actually so much to the point that, um, you know, you quoted for those who weren't there, uh, Romans 1 through chapter 8, not Romans 1 Verses 1 through 8, no, Romans chapter 1 through chapter 8. And it was so inspiring. And uh, since then, I've started to memorize uh, 1 John chapter 1. And um, I'm moving on to chapter 2 now. And I've never memorized like scripture like that. And I'm only at 10 verses in, but still, it's just been such a good challenge and such a good like thing to meditate on the same verse over and over and over again. Um, so when I say you impacted us, we didn't just you know admire it. We mm. did admire it. We were in awe of what God did in that room, but we've really taken the action to it, and it's just been pivotal for our life. So I want to talk to you about that. One thing that you said when you started the message is you were like, this could get so awkward. This makes me feel uncomfortable. And the reason why you said that is because you were about to ask people to worship to the sound of the word. And so before we even get to the memorization, talk to me a little bit about just the concept of the message you preached at Passion and why you felt you were led to go there. And penny with a three-year-old, yeah, that's just hard. So I'm excited for the no mess. KiwiCo offers kids a chance to get outside and explore screen-free with projects like the Bottle Rocket Kit from the Summer Adventure Series. They can turn the outdoors into a playground of learning and fun. Every Summer Adventure Series with KiwiCo is a personalized experience that includes real engineering, science, and art projects. And you'll be impressed with how high quality all the materials are, everything we've gotten from KiwiCo has been absolutely amazing and such high quality. I know sometimes it can be hard to find creative, engaging ways to keep your kids away from the screens and just having fun, but KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can focus on spending fun and quality time tackling projects together. The KiwiCo Summer Adventure Series is personalized to your family and can be received all at once or weekly for six weeks depending on your schedule. If you like it all at once, that's great, or space it out a little bit. Build the best summer ever with KiwiCo. Get twenty percent off your summer adventure series at KiwiCo.com dot com slash SadieRobSummer. That's twenty percent off your summer adventure at KiwiCo. kiwic dot com slash Summer.
1: Well, I, I love passion. Have for. 20 years like that's uh heather and i actually got engaged right after she got back from a passion conference and, no way. uh yeah so she came back from passion and i asked her to marry me so anyway that's been a huge part of our lives and and passion zeal for the fame of jesus and our generation and coming generations i mean the way it's awesome to see that playing out i uh was as i was praying through where to go with my talk, um, Psalm one thirty eight two kept coming to my mind uh, when, when God says uh, you have exalted above all things, your name and your word. And so just making that connection, that passion for the name of Jesus will mean passion for the word of Jesus. They're both exalted above all things, his hmm. name and his word. And so if we're, if we're passionate about Jesus, that will Lead to passion about His Word, and uh, and so what does that look like in our lives? Is there a zeal, a longing, a passion, a reverence for His Word? You know, I I'll even stick with the Valentine's Day theme with a minute. For a minute here, like I remember Heather when we first started dating. She was the first girl, only girl I ever dated, and uh, I was so I was a junior in high school. She was a senior in high school. I was just. And all that I, that girl was talking to me <laughs> and paying attention to me. And I remember, so this is before email, social media, anything like. So she would write me letters. She went off to college; I was still in high school. Uh, she's a year older than me. She would write me letters, and I would just soak in like every word. Like she'd write, "Dear David," and I'd be like, <laughs> "Dear." Uh, Dear. And, 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 I and then she put like a, a smiley face and then I'd be like, oh, why a smiley face right there? Like, why? <laughs> or she'd awesome. be like, I'm praying for you. And I'd be like, I wonder how she's praying. Like she's praying for her, just anybody or praying for like her future husband. Like, what wow. is she? And so I would like devour. And so, yeah, that's pretty lame. That's um, no, I, I did think the same it, because, thing. <laughs> but I was obsessed in a way that Yes. Like, if, if this is the word of God, like, we should be in, and we're, and we love God, then we would be, we should be obsessed with his word. Like, why does it say this here and there? And, and so what does that passion look like? So it's one thing for us to, yes, sing and send our hands into the air, like in worship and in song. But what if just the word of God had that Backed on our hearts because we loved his word so much. And so that was kind of the, yeah, the premise. Of what I was praying for in that moment, that there would that there would be a uh that the sp- Spirit of God would ignite passion for his word in a hmm. way that um that would would really mark people.
0: Well it was really cool because when you set like you you laid out the foundation of the worship for the word idea and why we need to hold his word at such a level and, and how they used to. And you read Nehemiah and it was just such mm-hmm. a beautiful picture of when they opened the word and they would just start weeping. And then you kind of said, you know, so I just want to see what will happen as we just read the word. And and you said, for a number of reasons, this makes me feel uncomfortable and I have no idea how this is going to go. And I remember thinking this could get uncomfortable. I remember thinking this is going to be interesting. And my thought as to what might happen, I'm, I'm such a, um, I'm kind of a worst-case scenario person, so this is totally this is totally me. Mm. I'm thinking, I bet the super charismatic people are gonna get super extra in this moment, and the super conservative people are, are gonna feel super <laughs> awkward in this moment, and we're just gonna see how this plays out. But that's not what happened. Um, it really was like the spirit of God ignited a passion in the room for the Word, and it was not, it was not about um, nobody was seeking attention from their worship. It was genuine worship for the word as if you would worship to a worship song. That was the mm. response that was happening as you quoted the word. And I didn't expect myself to react the way that I did. I was on my knees. I could not stop crying. Mm. And mm. I I know Romans 1 through 8, not like you do, mm. but I've read it. I've heard it. I've heard it preached. I had never... Um, seen it in such an awe and wonder and a uh, love mm. letter, like I did that day, um, like it was intended to be spoken, like it was intended mm. to be preached. And it was the it's coolest fun. thing ever. It, it, your prayer was exactly what was felt in the room. Mm. It was mm. funny, though, because you said, we're going to read Romans 1 through 8. So I pull up my Bible, um, starting at Romans 1, And I'm like, he is going so fast. And I look at Christian and I said, he's going so fast. And Christian said, he's not reading it. He's quoting it. I said, what? I looked up. I didn't even know. And then I was like, this is crazy. And then you just kept going. When was it in your life that you took the time to learn Romans 1 through 8? And was it something that you Mm. sought out to do? Or is it something that just kind of became from reading it as much as you did?
1: no i would say intentional like seeking to memorize scripture because of uh i mean you always ask like what advice have you been given like that's one of the biggest most important pieces of counsel i've ever received in my life is there was a guy who did something similar when i was in high school actually um he was leading musical worship it's like a small setting, uh, 100, 200 people. And he, uh, he puts down the guitar. He's like, I just want to encourage you guys with the word. And he quoted a chapter of scripture, maybe Philippians two. I can't remember exactly what chapter it was, but, um, I just remember th- sitting there like, whoa, this word, the word is just flowing from this guy. And, uh, uh, one of the guys who've had, a, who's had a huge influence on in my life was there um, kind of a mentor for me. And he just said, David, he he could tell it affected me. He said, David, you, if you want to know God and his power in your life and be an instrument of his hands, like hide his word in your heart like that and really challenged me. And so, um, yeah, after that I, uh, started, okay, what would this look like? So I started memorizing the first, uh, book I memorized was second Timothy and, uh, just memorize this this book about, and it changed my relationship with God and my spiritual life in so many ways in ways that uh I think only happen when we when well in in ways that deepen when you you do that kind of memorization because the word it does it becomes a part of you it Transforms your mind and your heart as it's soaking in like that, where it's it's literally becoming second nature. I mean, if you were to, you know, just First John one, it can just flow from you, or Romans eight or whatever. Like it's just it changes your prayer life because you you. I mean, we're supposed to pray according to the Word, and so it it fuels how we pray. Uh, this is where even memorizing like Psalms, different Psalms, is really helpful because just to be able to overflow and praise with the very inspired. words that God has given for his praise. And then with encouraging others in Christ uh, or sharing the gospel to have the word hidden in your heart in ways that just flow. Like I think about our uh, uh, church group is what we call them here in our church in Metro DC. We were meeting last night and uh, we were actually, there were just different parts of Romans that were coming up that I was sharing to edify our group. Uh, So to have that hidden in your heart. um, So in your personal time with the Lord and your effect in others' lives, um, like th- to have the word flow from you. And I know different people have different capacities to memorize, um, and so I always want to be sensitive to that at the same time. Well, illustration I sometimes use like, um, if I were to give you a thousand dollars for every verse you could memorize between now and this time tomorrow, could you? Maybe learn to memorize some. I th- I think you probably would. Like yeah. anybody would. Uh I mean Jesus wept, like John eleven thirty five. <laughs> there we go, thousand dollars. I mean, so you do it and so I guess that's the question. Psalm one nineteen talks about how his word is better than thousands of gold and silver pieces. So I guess that's the question. Like, is it worth it that much to us to really know God's word like this? Um, so uh that's yeah, that's that's part of that's why cool. uh amidst the uncomfortableness of that kind of moment, I wanted to lean into it because Mm -hmm. I just, I look around that arena and I think, oh, if there was a feasting on the word and a valuing of the word, and it's all these uh, hearts and lives in this arena, it would be life changing. And uh, not just for the people in this room, but for people Mm -hmm. that are impacted by them.
0: It's true. It was really cool how there would be moments throughout you quoting that other people knew, you know, like the majority of the room knew a couple of those verses Mm -hmm. in Romans that they would quote back with you. And, uh, you know, we are more than conquerors and Christ, she's like, everybody shouts that out. And then my favorite part was when we started going, um, nothing can separate you from God's great love, can sword, it was like, no, can famine, no. And it just was like so cool because that's what I mean. It was like one of the first times that you really realized the gravity of what the Word was saying, you know, I think for a lot Mm. of people because for, you know, someone just sitting in the room reading, maybe they're skimming through, maybe they're reading fast, um, you don't really stop to think about what that really means. And so to hear Mm. it preached over you while you're agreeing with it is like, whoa, like that's what God says? Like that's mm. what Paul is preaching? Like that is crazy. And I think that's what's been cool about slowing down and reading the scripture for me because I've, like, struggled with—well, um, this is funny that you said that about capacity. So I was thinking, like, I'm just not going to be good at that, you know? I'm just not good at Scripture memorization. Like, all through school, I went to a Christian school. We had to, like, memorize a verse every week, and I was terrible at it. I was like, this is, like, so not my thing. But I really didn't pay that much attention to it, Right. I wasn't intentional with it. And um, also, I have struggled in the past with dyslexia. And I was like, you know, just gave all the excuses as to why, like, that wasn't probably the thing for me. Um, I've also excused Mm -hmm. myself with just... Um, part of just my personality is like some people will watch the same movie like over and over and over again. I'm like, no, I've seen it. I'm done. I read a book. Mm. I read it. I loved it. It could be my favorite book ever. I probably won't ever read it again, you know? And so with the Bible, sometimes I have this tendency to be like, oh, well, I know Romans or whatever. I've, I've read mm. it, you know? but not like going back and studying and Mm. meditating on it. And I love that Psalms one, two, and three, where it's like, for those who meditate on the word, it would be like a tree planted by a stream of living water. So I think what it's awakened in me is like, forget the excuses. Like I want to meditate on the word. And for me to see like what meditation has already done in the first month of the year, it's been amazing. Mm. Um, I knew I needed to get out some distractions. Like I deleted social media I deleted the news from my, like, you know, when you swipe mm. left, and it's the news. It's the Bible now. And um, just those mm. two things, like meditating on the Word and getting rid of distractions, it's so crazy. Um, people around me have been, like, you have this new joy about you. Like what in the Mm. world? You seem so at ease. You seem so at peace. And nothing like has changed that much in my life besides I've been meditating on the word (laughs) and then I got rid of distractions. Mm. And that has been like the coolest thing. And I noticed a difference. Like when people tell me that, I'm like, isn't it crazy? It's like literally what's coming out of me from getting rid of distractions and meditating on the word. And so um, I'm just like, taken what you preached and really seen the the beauty of living by it the past month. And I haven't done it perfectly. I thought I would be uh, moving at a faster pace. I'm kind of uh, moving at a slow pace, but still what it's doing in me is it's just watering the soul. It's been awesome.
1: I love that, Sadie. That's so, oh, it's just so encouraging on so many different levels. and 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 really, as I'm sitting here listening to you share just like if the effect of that in your own heart, your own life, what's in you, flowing from you. I just think like this should be the norm for us as followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Like that, uh, but we, if we're not careful, yeah, we get on, we like can scroll mm-hmm. through so much and there's so much distraction. I mean, we live in a world of distraction, but I mean, it's one of the things I talk about in, that, in the book is uh, like uh, Muslims who memorize the whole Quran like the whole thing and um and not just memorize it they memorize it in arabic when they that may not even be their primary language like there's a a commitment to the word that wow should be there and if we believe this is the word of god like what a treasure a treasure that's so valuable more valuable than anything else in the world so yes and it brings life. It's daily bread. Yeah. It, uh, your word is life. Mm-hmm. So we're when you think about it, it's it's just foolishness for us not to yeah. for that not to be commonplace among us, and for us not to be saying, okay, how can we do this together good. and uh, spur one another on toward Jesus by by meditating, memorizing His Word.
0: its good. I love that. Gosh, I want to ask you because I talked about some of the excuses that I've had in my life and I've had several Mm -hmm. others, I'm sure, when it comes to not reading my Word as much. You can throw out how busy you are and this and scheduling Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm sure, like, in your life, there's been times where maybe before uh, you are who you are today that maybe you had distractions or um, busyness keep you from that or whatever it was. But do you think And maybe I'll let you speak to that a little bit, but also want to ask you, do you think because of you traveling to places that people didn't have the word and um, just kind of the radical lifestyle that you've been able to see across the world, do you think that's what's giving you the perspective of the value of the word? Um, And what would you say to people just to paint a perspective who are like, you know, I'm just too busy to read the word? Uh, Because I think we could all like just say, we could all say that. And you could maybe believe that, but I just think that that's not necessarily true, no matter how busy we are. Mm. Um, and I'm saying that from someone who said that as an excuse and then had to get honest with myself about what the real problem was. And so can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, well, I would I would definitely confess um, there have been times in my life, I would even add, like, uh, times in my life as a pastor where... I've, I've not been meditating on God's word. And I, I should say like, I'm, I think of a long season in my life where I was, uh, um, I mean, the church I pastor was growing, uh, I was getting invited to preach in a lot of different places. I was really busy doing a lot of, and I would do a lot of ministry things and church things and, uh, and even preparing. So I'd, I'd study the word to prepare a sermon, but I wouldn't study the word just to know God and uh just to hear from him in my own life and so I I've I've been there and that's that's I always just think how frightening that is how busy I could be doing a lot of good things but missing the most important thing doing it all apart from intimacy with God in prayer and the word um and, but then, yes, when I, when I go, I mean, I, I will never forget the first time I was with underground house churches in East Asia. And, uh, like we, we, I, we, I was, we were going to a Bible study, uh, or they had asked me to come. I mean, they, they're gathering together in secret. They found out that I, uh, uh, t- was teaching. I just started teaching at a seminary actually at that point. And, uh, and so they, they found out I was in town. They were like, Hey, will you meet with our house church leaders? In the secret location, so I said, "Sure." I went. I was expecting to do like an hour Bible study, and eight hours later, we were still going strong. And they're just, they're just soaking it in. And uh, they say, "Can we do this again tomorrow?" And I'm like, "Well, sure." Like, what time? They were like, "In the morning." I was like, "Okay, morning Bible study." And They said, "No, morning to the evening." <laughs> and so that led to I was in in country for about two weeks. It was two weeks, eight to twelve hours a day. Wow, just diving into the Word and. So hungry, Sadie. They just, I mean wow. and and hungry just to know the Bible. I remember the one of the early on in that time, I was walking through Nehemiah, actually showing the background history of the book, um, and showing the importance of God's word. And uh so as I gave them all that background history, they were like, We've never heard this stuff before. Can you do that for us with all the books of the old testament? And I was like, well, that would take a lot of time. They were like, "We want to do this," wow. and so that's what we did. Like for a week and a half, we walked from Genesis to Malachi, and I just gave them background and history and understanding the way. and, and they were just eating it up. Wow. We I remember we we finished. We had one day left, and we got there early in the morning. They were like, "We want to go twelve hours." It's like, okay, and uh, I start teaching something. I can't remember what. I was like, "I mean, we've covered covered Habakkuk. <laughs> like, what else is there oh to cover?" My and. Uh, in the back, I start teaching something. This guy kind of said, hey, we, we have a problem. I said, what's what's the problem? All this is your translator. And he, he said, you've taught us the whole Old Testament, but you've not given us the New Testament. And I was like, well, we've only got a day. He's like, will you please give us the New Testament today? And so that's what we did
0: for the next oh, 11 hours. Oh, my gosh. We walked from
1: Matthew to Revelation. Like, they love the Word. <laughs> it, they love awesome. And they're risking their lives to wow. know it. Wow. Uh, I mean, just imagine... Go into a worship, not not all day like training in the Word with their leaders. Just a worship service late at night. I remember the, we, it was like I don't know one two o'clock in the morning. We get I get in the back of this car with a hood over my head, and we drive out in this village. And I get out with my head down and uh, follow these believers like by a little flashlight into this house in this village. It's that one little light bulb hanging in the middle and all these believers crammed in quietly and they're like please like teach us the word for a couple hours and so it was it wasn't like all right we want a 30 minute sermon in and out like they hmm. just they, they gather at the risk of their lives wow. and because they're zealous for the word and so i look at that and then think of my own life and the church culture I'm a part of and i i long to 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 want the word like that to treasure the word like that and to be a part of a community that wants and treasures the word like that. That's so so
0: powerful. Gosh, I love that so much. Um, I want to talk about your book because If you guys saw our last podcast, David wrote a book called Radical. It's one of my favorite books. I recommend that to everybody. And now he has a new book out. And uh, he's an incredible author. And you just have so much wisdom. That's evident to everyone who's listening. And I want to talk about, because you talk a lot about the American gospel and uh, the danger of that, believing that. So, can you Mm -hmm. break down what? is the American gospel versus the gospel of Jesus and why you feel mm-hmm. like it's become such a dangerous route that we've gone down.
1: Yeah, I so basically to summarize, uh and this is especially after pastoring in Metro DC like the last few years. Yeah, wrote Radical years ago, Taking Back Your Faith on the American Dream was kind of the subtitle on that one. I'm convinced after the last few years here in metro dc and a lot of a lot of things that happened in the church in our country that it's n- never been just an american dream that's consumed our lives that it's actually an american gospel that's hijacked our hearts and wow. what i mean by that is that we've exchanged a biblical gospel that exalts jesus above everything in the world for an american gospel that prostitutes jesus for the sake of comfort and Power and politics and prosperity in our country and mm-hmm. uh, and I think the evidence of that has has been a lot of division in the church, a lot of discouragement or even disillusionment among Christians uh, and even many, especially the next generation, like disengaging from the church altogether, like looking around and seeing some of the division and some of the yeah the discouragement of the church and thinking, I thought there was more to Jesus than this. I thought there was more to the church than this, and that's so. I wrote this book to say there is so much more to Jesus and so much more to the church than what we've seen around us in recent it's days, good. and we can experience it. Not not it. We can experience Him. We can experience the awe filled wonder of Jesus and an otherworldly beauty of the church that's unlike any other community in the world. We don't need to disengage from it. We want to we want to see it and be a part of it in all of its splendor. Yeah. But in order to do so, I think we need to talk about some issues and some things need to be different. And not in those other people uh but in in us. That's so good. that's that's kind of the <laughs> impetus for the book.
0: I love that. I love that. When you talk about just the individual and our responsibility. And I do want to talk about just, you know, for the individual, for people listening who are like, maybe they're fed up with the church. Maybe they're discouraged by the way that the church is going. And they're like, what can I do? Um, what can I do to play a part in bettering the Big C church? I'm, I'm thinking about a friend of mine who works at a coffee shop right now. And she's so frustrated by the management of the coffee shop, right? And she's like, this is so frustrating and this is just not going well and I can't, I don't know what I can do. And so what she wants to do is she wants to quit, right? Because she's like, I don't want to be a part of this because I don't know how to help it because I'm just an employee. How can I do anything that that matters, right? Well, I think in the same way, a lot of people feel that with the church. It's like, this is so frustrating mm. because of the way that the church is going. And I don't want to be a part of this. This is what it's going to look like if I don't have an opportunity to help change. And so for the individual listening who's like, I love Jesus. I don't like where the church is going. How do I help be a part of furthering um, the unity and the goodness of the Big C Church? Mm.
1: Love that question and I love even the kind of analogy with the uh friend of yours in the coffee shop and because it as you're as you're sharing that I'm thinking oh that's that's good and it's a helpful reminder especially to so anybody who's a follower of Jesus you're uh just to be r- r- reminded you're not just you're not an employee in a shop like you're filled with the holy Spirit of God you are a vital part of the church. And so this is, this is who you, you've been welcomed into. I mean, this is to follow Jesus is to be a part of a community Mm -hmm. of brother, a family of brothers and sisters in Christ. And you are a critical part of that. Uh, like every, this is first Corinthians 12, every member of the body matters, uh, you know, from the, toe to the eye like it all and so we all have significance in that so just to i I think we need to start by not seeing ourselves as like well i'm just kind of over here like no no you you are in the family of god like you're and you're filled with the spirit of god and you have gifts for the building up of the body okay so then so what do i do how can i do that and that's where start to look at where, where do I have relationships? Where do I have opportunities to cultivate? And one of the things I talk about in the book is cultivating community on earth. Like it is in heaven.
0: Mm, that's Meaning
1: gay. how can I, how can I, well, one in a in culture where everybody's quick to cancel and belittle and criticize and whatever. I, God's called us to live totally distinct from mm-hmm. that to, to, to be humble in our relationships with others, to be, uh, eager to maintain unity, to bear with, be patient with. And one of the things we try to do in uh, just on a kind of grassroots level in our church family is is to say, and as we think about cultivating community on earth as it is in heaven, like be around brothers and sisters in Christ who are, who come from some different perspectives than you. That could be That's generationally. Good. Like we have so much to learn from each other generationally. Like, yes, there's value in sharing a life alongside others who are in the same age and stage of life. So yes, there's value in that, but there's also a lot of value in across generations across ethnicities that's one of the things i dive into the book that i mean for it's 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 crazy ever since slavery like we have divided as the church according to the color of our skin and that why are we still doing that like we should not it's it's way past time to turn the tide on on that, yeah, and so how do we across ethnicities across even different perspectives, people who don't think exactly like like we're so yeah. prone to isolate ourselves and kind of echo chambers where everybody's thinking and talking exactly like us, like um, to really cultivate community across because that's the beauty when I think about. So this is just the, the church I pastor where there's a hundred different nations represented over a hundred in the church. That's like, cool. uh, so all kinds of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds and a lot of different perspectives. And there's no other explanation why for why these people, not just are sitting next to each other on a Sunday, but they're sharing life with each other. The only explanation for that is the cross and resurrection <laughs> of Jesus cool. and the spirit of God. That's the only explanation. Otherwise, this would make no sense. And... <laughs> let's, let's pursue that kind of community. Yeah. And, uh, and so to the extent of which we can, where we live to pursue that and to take initiative to do that, it's worth it it's and good. not to, that's what I love about your question, Sadie, because it's, we can't sit back and say, well, it's not happening here. It's not happening that way. So I'm just not going to engage. It's like, yeah. no, this is who we are as followers. Of Jesus. We're part of a family. We don't not engage with the family. So how can we engage in those kind of ways that are that are healthy for us healthy for others and will show the beauty of the body of christ it's
0: great gosh i love that so much it makes me think about um i recently had a conversation as an interesting conversation amongst a lot of believers but something got brought up where there's different kind of the- theological points of views in the room right and then then the verse gets brought up well whatever we do we're supposed to make peace with one another right but then this, this person's version of making peace was everybody needs to agree with this person. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. that, how does that how does that make sense? Because then that would mean that you're just saying that they have to admit that they're wrong, but this is not right mm-hmm. or wrong. This is just two different really perspectives. It's not changing a uh, salvation issue. It's just two different mm-hmm. perspectives and theology and what you perceive and whatnot. And then it was like this, okay, well, the Holy Spirit, if he, you know, Uh, speaks to all of us, then then why is this confusing? Why why are they thinking this? Why are they thinking this? And I think when you get in these situations, it's hard because then people get in camps. It's like, oh, well, they're Mm -hmm. this and they're this and they think that and they think this. And so we can't all come together. And I love about Passion Conference, speaking of Passion is like, Lou and Shelley mm. have people speak who, you know, we all love each other, but if we really all sat and like talked about everything that we think about God, there'd probably be a mm. few different, you know, points of views or a few different expressions of worship or a few different things like that. I mean, the main thing's the main thing, and that's why we all come together, mm. love each other, but there might be a, a couple different points of views. For the people who think you think different than me, we're in different camps. Um, just speak to, I, I think, the danger of just the disunity that that speaks to in the church yeah. and how, as a church, can we say we might have a couple of different perspectives, but that doesn't mean that we need to isolate. Like, How do we begin to come together even when there might be certain things that are a little bit different? Does that make sense? Because I, I feel like yeah. in the young people especially, what I've seen a lot in young people, especially Christian young people who maybe have gone to Christian schools, Christian colleges, it's like the legalism and the grouping of camps is so prevalent and it is such a turnoff to me and I'm sure it is such a turnoff to people, who, especially who aren't Christians I love God and that annoys me you know, and so um, I think when people look at the church as so disunified, it is hard, but how do we begin to bring unity to those things um, and unity may be coming from not necessarily agreeing, but how does unity still Take place when you disagree.
1: Yes, this is this is so significant. I mean, this is actually this is why this is like the first chapter in the book I wrote because. So here's what I would I would offer, like practically, to help maybe think through. I, I talk about like three different buckets to put our beliefs in. So first bucket would be the things that unite all of us as followers of Jesus. I mean, this is the gospel. Um, who Jesus is, who God is, how. He saves us from our sin and ourselves and then God's word, the authority of God's word. Like these are, that's, that's what makes us followers of Jesus. Then second bucket would be things that, uh, unite us in a local church, which would be different than the first bucket. I mean, we, we still share a first bucket, but then this is where, yeah, other followers of Jesus who believe the gospel may have different views on baptism or, how the church is structured or governed. or I don't expect everybody in the church I pastor, everybody in Metro Washington, D.C., to come to the church I pastor in Metro Washington, D.C., where we do things a certain way according to certain convictions. I love brothers and sisters in Christ who do things very differently. What you mentioned with passion, yes, there are some of these things in the second bucket where... I know different speakers of passion would, would disagree on, but we are totally together on the first bucket. Mm-hmm. And then That's the good. third bucket would be things within a local church that you agree to disagree about. Yeah. And so what's really important is to keep those buckets separate. That's and good. Uh, so I think like I mean, one example from the last couple of years, uh, when I've heard people say like, well, you can't be a and this is kind of the American gospel picture. You can't be a follower of Jesus. You can't be a Christian and vote for. And I heard different people's <laughs> names come after that. And it's like, okay, wait a second. We just put you can't be a Christian. We just put who you vote for in a presidential election in the same bucket as we put wow. the cross of Jesus and the triune nature of God. Like, yeah. no, that's nowhere close. Yeah. And it's not that it's not important, but it's not primary in this way. And so to have an understanding that we're going to have differences in these ways. And then to be able to love people who have different thoughts and different buckets, like that's to scary. love other believers in a local church who have disagreements about all kinds of things to love other people across local churches that have differences and to love all kinds of followers of Jesus with all kinds of different convictions that are yeah. holding fast to the gospel and holding fast to God's word. and And that's where I think, the love for each other, when we disagree on those things, that's where we, I think we have a lot of muscles we need to develop more yeah. in the church along those lines, because we don't do that well. Yeah. Um, and, and theres I would just add, there is beauty to be found when we do that well. I think about good. conversations in our church where people passionately disagree about. It. I mean, we've talked about issues of justice and race, and where people have some very different Perspectives and disagreements, and but we're not afraid to have those conversations because those things where we land on those things are not what unites us. Jesus, the gospel, the authority of God's word is what unites us together. That's so good. we're not. Afraid. Some people say, "Well, why have those conversations? They're just going to divide us." Well, they won't divide us if they're not what unites us. What That's unites good. us is Jesus and the gospel and God's word, and then we're free to share different convictions on these things, hold different convictions on like third bucket issues and learn from each other, listen to each other, humbly uh, be open to maybe changing our minds, maybe not in the end, holding fast to the gospel together as a family. I think that brings great glory to our father. And I think it shows the world around us that there's something distinct going on here.
0: Gosh, that's so good. I love how you talked about if it's not what unites us, it shouldn't be like what divides us. And so mm-hmm. I think that's really cool because I can think of a specific topic that I used to question. Um, just it, again, not first book issue, but it was just one of those things where it's was like, I don't really understand this. And everybody would ask this question to you that was like, turned off to the idea of talking about it because they're like, oh, no, 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 don't talk about that because um, Mm. that tends to, whenever people talk about that, disunify, I guess it makes people mad, makes people frustrated or whatever. And I was like, no, I really am not here to argue a point. I'm not here to say this is my, I just want to understand what that looks like, what this means to you. And it was really frustrating because I couldn't get a genuine answer from somebody because they were so afraid to engage in this conversation. I don't know if it was from their own defense of it or not knowing enough about it or from Mm -hmm. what they experienced, someone else's reaction to them sharing this uh, part of their faith. And so um, I was like, you know, that's really sad that we can't have this conversation. Well, eventually— um, I got into the conversation with some of my really close friends, and we had a couple hours worth of conversation, and it was so helpful. And at the mm. end of it, we uh, didn't necessarily fully agree, but it didn't matter. It didn't um, bring us away from each other, it actually brought us closer to each other. It, at the end of the day, we both said, or all of us that were there, there's about four of us, we all said, You know what? This makes me love God more. Um, and mm. what was cool about that is we all felt more loved by god we all love god more and we all felt differently <laughs> about why why we felt mm. that way and it just was a really cool conversation i said like, this is the beauty of having yes. some of those hard conversations but you're right it does i think it does have to be in the right place you know it, for mm. me it, i ended up getting the conversation i was desiring to have with some of my best friends and it, it was kind of on mm. a whim we were on a car ride we had like a seven hour drive. We were listening to a sermon, which led us into the conversation. And Uh, um, it was just awesome. And so I I love that. And I think, um, man, you talk so much about in the book about inviting, you know, different people. And I love this quote. I think this is so good. I wanted to read it. It says, what might happen if we spent less time posting, commenting, and tweeting about one another and more time actually being with one another? What might happen if we had the courage to leave our echo chambers and listen to people who believe differently than us? And I just love that call to, uh, I guess, the courage it takes sometimes Mm -hmm. to engage in hard conversations and to listen, to love, to show up and um, I know we keep going back to passion, but I think it shows a lot of a good example of Louie and Shelley inviting mm-hmm. all those speakers to come, knowing that they probably also have different views than the mm-hmm. speakers that they mm-hmm. know are coming. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot. I mean, as a leader, uh, I'm leading a ministry now. I know when, whenever I ask speakers to come, you know, it's like you think really hard because you're like, this is representing uh, something that I'm putting yes. out there. And so you have to kind of let go of wanting to control everything and just letting the church be the church, letting uh, Mm. the church be human, but the bride of Christ and how beautiful that is that we all come together as the body. And, like, you just have to just let God be God and us be his people. And um, I think, you know, for those listening who don't run a ministry or have a conference, in the same way, who do you invite to your dinner table? Who do you invite to Mm. your home? who you call and who you have a conversation with in the same way you can invite people into your home that might not you know uh think exactly the same but what great what a great place to gather around a meal and further in your love for god and um man that's what i've experienced in such cool ways with my own friends and so david this has just been so fruitful Uh, i want you to add to that who you want to
1: Well, I would just say, I would just put exclamation point that on a, on a couple different levels. One, I, I, the way you talked about how that was so good for you and your friends as you dove into that. I think that's, yeah, it's, it's what God desires as our father. I think he's really pleased to see his sons and daughters. I don't know if it was all just girlfriend, like daughters, like, uh, talking together around his word. Like, I love the picture just of, okay, his word is the foundation we love your word with that, which is clear in your word. We're holding, holding fast to, and as we try to apply it in the world and we come to some different conclusions and this way, like, I think the father, our father is pleased in seeing his family do that in a loving, caring, listening, humble way. And, uh, and then I would just add, even with uh people outside the church who don't agree on first bucket issues who would not believe the gospel who wouldn't believe the authority of god's word who have very different views on all kinds of things in the world uh that we would even hold hold to as first bucket issues as followers of jesus but still to have the ability to sit around the table with and listen to and understand as best as possible and be able to to listen humbly and then offer a different perspective that comes from God's word with honor and with compassion. I just think about uh, a variety of different groups in our culture today that would look at the church and be like, the church hates us Hmm. or the church and that do not feel honored by the church. When we've got a clear command, First Peter, to honor everyone, that everyone should feel honored. Flowing from us toward them. And uh, that's one of the things to talk about. Like, how do we share God's word Um, like it's water for our friends in a spiritual desert instead of like it's a weapon yes. uh, that we're wielding in a cultural war? Like, no, yeah. like, we, yeah, we're at battle, but with spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, that's our battle, not with people. Not with we people. love people, we honor people, we come. we should. And so to be able to even have those kind of conversations uh, with with people who are not followers of Jesus in order to show the beauty of God's word to them in the way we approach them, I think is that that is a whole other level at which this is so needed today.
0: Gosh, that's so good. I know we're we're going low, but I have to say this because this what you just said was exactly what bothered me is that the the conversation, the topic I kept bringing up to people, what every one of those who said to me is numerous people, is they said you know, gosh is gonna have to reveal that to you. Like God revealed it to me, gosh is gonna have to reveal that to you. And like we I'm not gonna talk about it like let God reveal that to you. But it made me mm. so frustrated because then I was like, Well, why has God not revealed it to me? Like, why did God reveal it to all of you? But He didn't reveal mm. it to me. And then it made me feel like I was left out of something that God had for his people. Mm. And I was like questioning, well, why God? Like if this is so good and you told all these people and they won't share it with me and I have to wait for you, like I've asked mm. you, like, and you're not, this is not being revealed. And um, that was really frustrating because it made me feel like, left out of a good thing and i just don't mm. feel like god leaves his people out of a good thing you know i feel like everyone's invited to the same cross the same table and so that was just really frustrating to me and i feel like sometimes you know people uh as christians like you have that mentality like god will reveal it to them it's like no like god mm. called you to go and make disciples like you to go and preach the word, of baptizing people. And also, like, I love that. What's the story in the New Testament when he's like, how would I know? No one's, unless someone's told me, like, mm-hmm. you like you have to read it to me, you know? And so, I just think it's so good we're talking about this because as mm-hmm. believers, like, we are called to share the word, to honor people, um, to help explain these things. That's why you sat with those people day after day for 12 hours mm-hmm. and went through mm-hmm. every single book, not just expecting, like, oh, well, I can leave and God can reveal it. Yes, God can. Yes, God can do that. Mm -hmm. He can bring it in a dream. He can speak it to the person. He can do it. But also, like if you're there, then I think God's using you in that moment. You have an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I'm glad I was able to do that. One
1: real quick thing there. I know we're out of time. I I I, I just gotta hit on that one. Like I was cause I was just in Mark 9, 42 through 50, uh uh this last week. And uh that's when Jesus is he's talking about hell. Uh, as an unquenchable fire where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. I mean, it's such a heavy passage about, uh, eternal judgment. And, uh, but at the very end, uh, it uh, Jesus says, He starts talking about being salt in the world and being at peace with one another. And I've always thought, well, that just felt like a left turn. Like with, <laughs> Hell, peace, all peace with one another. But then the more I meditate on the more, okay, that makes sense. Like if, if we know we have eternal life in Jesus, like, and we are surrounded by people who are, who are on a road that leads to eternal hell, then let's let's, yeah, be at peace with each other. Like don't fight with each other. Don't yeah, I mean yes, have good, good discussions about disagreements, but lift your eyes to what matters most. That's and good. it's this gospel that we hold on to and and the world needs to hear it. And three billion people in the world haven't even heard it and all kinds of people around us need it. So so get your focus there and be salt, be the kind of uh, uh yeah, savoring presence in people's lives around you that they'll want to hear that. Just like Jesus, tax collectors and sinners drawn to him, it's be great. those kind of people in the way we honor and the way we love and we share good news that we know. Uh like stop fighting with each other, like stop Biting together for the spread of the gospel to people around you. So anyway, it's, great.
0: it's so good. I'm in. so glad you said that. I mean, I feel like we could talk for hours. Um, and for those listening, I hope that you're so encouraged. I'm so encouraged. I kept thinking of question after question, conversation after conversation. Those are the best kind of conversations mm-hmm. to get into in a podcast. You never know when you're starting a podcast. Where the conversation will go. You can have ten questions for period and you go all ten. Or you can have ten questions for period and you just go all over the place because Good. that's where God's leading and this was certainly yes. one of those. I'm so thankful for that. Everybody don't forget to go pick up his book, Don't Hold Back. It's coming out in I think two weeks from now. What's the release date? Yeah,
1: uh, February twenty eighth. Yes. so you can pre-order it pre-order and it now it's, it's get fun. it
0: right when it comes out if you like this conversation there's a lot more where that came from David thanks again for being on the podcast every time um, Christian and I both talk to you or Heather we uh, have a greater desire to know God and those are the people that you mm-hmm. want to surround yourself with so we're grateful for that and uh, just so grateful for your family and your ministry
1: well that's uh, 100% mutual so so grateful and, and like you said uh, praise God even for the way you lead a podcast like this and following the Spirit's leadership. So yeah, just super thankful for you, Sadie, and for Christian and your family. And may God bless all the work of your hands.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.